Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, I want to talk about some misconceptions around how muscle affects your metabolism. But first, I want to read an Evo member's story. And I want to read these on the podcast because I think they may inspire you to make a change. If you're someone that's craving more gentle workouts, you are sick of the endless intensity, maybe your body isn't loving it, but you still want your workouts to be effective and you want them to be worth your time. So this is from an Evo member named Kelly. So she said, I'm a mom in my forties with two girls. Pre-pandemic, I was working out five to six days a week, primarily very intense 60 minute workouts along with running and cycling. I was a cardio junkie. I was not lifting heavy. My workouts included very high rep, low weight. I felt like I had to be completely exhausted, sweaty, and sore in order for my workouts to be effective. It caught up to me big time and sent me into a spiral of chronic pain, chronic back pain for over a year. I was not listening to my body and I was never letting myself recover for fear of letting myself go. I think a lot of us can relate to this. My chronic pain dictated my life for a year. I was miserable. And after seeing several specialists, I found a great PT and started leaning into your workouts because I knew you were a PT and I knew you had dealt with chronic back pain too. You truly helped shift my mindset. Listening to my body is now my guiding light, whether it's taking recovery days or feeling good and increasing my weight. The Evlo way way has truly helped give me my life back. I feel so good working out again. I have never felt stronger. I feel safe in my body and trust myself that I have done enough. I've always struggled with a little belly, especially after having kids. And I thought that cardio was the answer as well as working my core five times per week. Evlo has shown me that gentle consistency is the way. Lifting weights, working each muscle to failure one to two times per week, including core, has transformed my body and I feel great. And the kicker, I am doing less. This is my favorite part. Since I have been an Evel member, my preteen girls have watched me lift weights during the workouts. I love that they now stand in the mirror and flex and want me to see their strong muscles. They sometimes join in and lift alongside me. I am so thankful for you and Peyton and all the awesome women on your team. You are helping a mom get strong AF all while being a healthy influence to my young girls. Thank you. Kelly. Kelly, thank you so much for sending this to us and... I really do think that so many listening can relate to much of what you said, grinding your body into the ground, thinking that that's the only way. Um, But hopefully your story will help inspire someone who may be in the same boat. So thank you so much for sending this. And if you have a story that you want us to read on the podcast, or if you just want to share your story, we love to read them. You can send it to contact at evlofitness.com and we would love to hear your story. Okay. So let's get into today's topic, which is about muscle and metabolism and how gaining muscle affects your metabolism. You may have heard that muscle increases your metabolism at rest. So if you want to boost your metabolism, gain more muscle. Is this true? And to what extent is this true? How does muscle really affect your metabolism? I was taught that muscle has a significant influence on your resting metabolism, that you burn significantly more calories at rest when you have more muscle mass or lean mass on your body. I have learned that it's really not that simple and the extent to which muscle affects your resting metabolism may have been overblown. So in this episode, I want to discuss how does muscle really affect your metabolism? How does it affect your resting metabolism? How does it have indirect effects on your metabolism? And what are the overall benefits of adding muscle as far as how it affects your overall metabolism? 
How many times can I say metabolism? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so metabolism is complex. Uh, of course, it's more convoluted than what I'll present today. I don't claim to be a metabolic scientist, but what is it? Metabolism is the amount of energy needed to complete all the chemical processes in your body. This is moving, breathing, thinking, digesting, fidgeting, talking, growing hair, cell cleanup. It all takes energy. And the sum of that energy is your metabolism. Larger people will burn more at rest than smaller people. They have more cells to maintain and a larger body to serve. So it's not necessarily true that smaller or leaner people will have faster metabolisms, which I think is a common misconception because larger people generally burn more at rest than smaller or leaner people. Your total daily energy expenditure, your TDEE, is the amount of calories your body uses within about a day to function and move. Within your TDDE or your kind of total metabolism, we have basal metabolism and active metabolism. Basal metabolism is the calories expended to keep the lights on. This includes digestion, growing hair, cell cleanup, breathing, powering your basic brain functions, and really any function of your body that would require energy if you, you were in a coma. That's kind of how I like to think about it. So these are all the functions that keep the lights on that happen behind the scenes that you don't have to consciously think about or perform. And then we have, so that's our basal metabolism. And then we have our active metabolism, which is all the energy that we need to move our bodies. This is all of the things that happen if you weren't in a coma. And we can categorize active metabolism into NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, and exercise activity. So within this active kind of calorie pool, you have NEAT and you have exercise activity. NEAT is all of the energy needed to complete your movements that aren't considered exercise. So this is like typing, talking, sitting up, walking around, cleaning, using your hands to talk, which is what I love to do. This makes up a surprising amount of your daily energy expenditure and will actually fluctuate depending on your exercise activity, which is something that I'll touch on here in just a moment. And then we have your exercise activity, and this is self-explanatory. It's the amount of energy that you need in your workout or amount of energy that you expend in your workout. When you have a higher calorie expending workout, you generally burn less with NEAT throughout your day, which is kind of a misconception. So if you are going, if you're doing a workout that's expending a lot of calories, you will burn less throughout your day with non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Unintentionally or subconsciously, you'll fidget less, you'll move around less, you'll be more stationary. And this is all in an attempt to conserve energy. People make the misconception that burning more in your workouts means that you're burning more overall, which is not necessarily the case because your body tends to cap or plateau at a certain calorie burn per day. This is called the constrained total energy expenditure model, something that I talk about in the podcast a lot. So if you're a listener, you're definitely familiar with this, but this model is one of the reasons why I don't recommend using your workouts as a tool to burn calories, or I don't recommend framing your workouts as something to burn calories because you can think of your total calorie burn as kind of a bank that you can withdraw from. You've got your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure. Within that bank, your basal metabolism will be withdrawing energy for those basic tasks to keep the lights on. 
This is more or less outside of your control. These are the things that, again, would happen if you were in a coma. What you can have control over is your active daily expenditure or the ex- the calories used during meat and during exercise. So you might burn more or less calories from exercise per day. And same with meat, you might burn more or less calories based on your non-exercise activity that you're doing throughout the day. So when you withdraw more with exercise, with when you use more energy for your workout, you will unintentionally withdraw less with NEAT or non-exercise activity thermogenesis so that you don't overdraft, so to speak. So this is a metabolic adaptation to help conserve energy for essential functions like keeping your heart beating, allowing you to breathe, allowing your brain to function, digestion, things like that. Now, I'm not saying that activity won't increase your overall expenditure. I'm not saying that you should be stationary, but it tends to cap or plateau at a certain amount, which means that adding more exercise won't necessarily increase your overall deficit. I talk more about this and explain it in detail and talk about what that average cap or plateau is in episode number 131 called Where Is Your Calorie Burn Plateau? So if you want to go listen to that, check out episode number 131. So knowing that we have our basal metabolism, we have our active metabolism, and the total energy that we need for a day to move, to do our basic functions is our TDEE. Knowing all of this, which systems require the most energy? I think this is really interesting. This is not an exhaustive list, but there are some organs within our kind of basal metabolism that use more or less energy per day. For example, your heart and your kidneys come in at number one. They require about 194 calories per pound per day to function. Next is the brain. Your brain uses about 106 calories per pound per day, followed by your liver. Your liver uses about 88 calories per pound per day. Again, this is all happening behind the scenes. Your body is needing energy and calories in order to perform their said functions. Now, unlike fat mass and muscle mass, we can't increase the mass or the size of these organs with diet and nutrition. You're not going to increase the size of your kidneys by strength training or eating in certain ways. Same with your brain. You're not really going to increase the size of your brain. These masses are more or less set, but we can increase our overall body size by either adding fat and or muscle, which will affect how much we burn in a day because both of these tissues do require small amounts of energy to maintain, even fat mass. Fat mass does require energy to maintain. Fat burns about two calories per pound per day. If we compare that to like the heart and kidneys, heart and kidneys for their equivalent weight burn about 194 calories per pound per day. Fat burns about two calories per pound per day. Now, what about muscle? This is kind of the question, maybe why all of you are here. How many calories does muscle burn at rest? Muscle only burns about six calories per pound per day. That's if you're at rest. Now, active muscle, if you're using your muscles, That will require a little bit more energy, maybe an additional five calories per pound per day. So active muscle on average is burning about 10 calories per pound per day. If we compare that to other organs, fat and muscle mass burn far fewer calories than something like your brain, your heart, your kidneys. The metabolic rate of certain organs is 15 to 40 times greater than their equivalent weight of muscle mass and 50 to 100 times greater than their equivalent weight of fat tissue. 
That said, two people could theoretically be the exact same weight, but burn more calories at rest because of the proportion of their muscle mass to their fat mass. This is why two people who weigh the same, but have different body compositions, so have different proportions of fat to muscle mass, could have different resting metabolic rates. For instance, a 150-pound person with 20% fat mass would burn about 60 to 100 calories per day more than a 150-pound person with 30% fat mass. So 60 to 100 calories per day isn't nothing, but it isn't this huge difference. So the idea that build muscle because it makes you burn more at rest may be slightly overblown. But although gaining muscle may not completely transform your metabolism when we just look at it in this like little window, when we just look at it as how many calories you're burning at rest, building muscle has more effects on your metabolism than just energy expenditure in several ways. Number one, as I've talked about in other episodes, muscle is a large storage site for glucose. This means as we eat, more of the sugar from our food can be stored in muscle mass instead of being stored into fat mass. So in other words, when you have more muscle, you're less likely to store food as fat mass. Because of this improvement in glucose usage and storage, muscle will have a direct effect on insulin sensitivity. When glucose is stored in muscle, there's less circulating glucose in your bloodstream. So your blood sugar decreases when the sugar that you eat can be stored into muscle. This lowers insulin and improves your cell's ability to use insulin since there's less circulating blood sugar. When insulin is lower in the bloodstream, the body accesses fat as fuel instead of relying on sugar. So by increasing your muscle mass, you could improve your insulin sensitivity and thus improve your body's ability to access fat as fuel instead of using sugar. That said, it's important to note that we have to be using our muscles at a high enough intensity in order to empty their glycogen stores so that they can be filled again the next time we eat. So if you aren't training muscles close to failure, you may not be depleting the muscles glycogen stores and you might not have enough storage capacity within those muscles. So this is another reason why we firmly believe in using exercise and using resistance training and training close to failure with each set. So that's number one is that muscle can improve your metabolism because it it can improve your glucose storage, thus improving your insulin sensitivity, thus improving your body's ability to use fat as fuel. The second way adding muscle affects your metabolism is because more lean mass can help keep your metabolism high as you age. I've spoken about this in other episodes, but one longitudinal study that I'll cite in the show notes found that between the ages of about 20 years old and about 60 years old, there's no change in resting metabolism, debunking the idea that metabolism declines as you age. But people anecdotally find that they gain weight easier as they age. So why is this? This can happen from a lot of different influences. It could be less sleep, more stress, Um, It could be that you're kind of always in a very slight calorie surplus. So you gain weight slowly, but steadily over the years, you might not think that you've changed your behavior, but you have in just really slight ways. Um, But one of the main reasons for 
why we might see this decrease in resting metabolism as we age is because we're losing lean mass or we're losing muscle mass as we age. Strength and muscle loss can happen some people say as early as 25, which means that we need to start strength training as adults and continue to strength train and build muscle throughout our lives. But when lean mass is equated, someone with the same body weight will have a similar resting metabolism regardless if they are age 28 or age 58. So if a 28-year-old and a 58-year-old have about the same lean body mass and overall body mass size, they will burn about the same amount of calories. So since we lose lean mass as we age, and this is accelerated as we get older, I always recommend being in a slow build mode. You don't have to be in a rush to build muscle. Muscle gain can happen at any age, but a goal of building, let's say five pounds of muscle in a year is very attainable, especially if you're first starting out. And then have the goal of building like maybe one pound a year. And this means you're not wrecking yourself to do it. You're not doing so in sustainable ways. You're not looking for a fast track. But slowly being in that build mode will put you in a really good place on all fronts, your metabolism included. So if you are an Evel member, make sure to read the body recomposition guide. Um, this teaches you how to eat to support muscle growth. And then we also have our five basics of building muscle guide. I want you to read that one as well. Both of these are like three minute reads and you can start incorporating the takeaways right away. Both of those can be found in the learn tab in the Evelo membership. And then the final way that muscle affects metabolism is muscle snowballing effect on our behavior. When you have more muscle mass, your energy levels improve, partly due to the improvements in insulin sensitivity, which I touched on earlier. And as we talked about in episode number 147 with Catherine Andrew, who's a registered dietitian about blood sugar, when you are more insulin sensitive, and this comes from eating and exercising, you, you aren't experiencing as many crashes throughout your day. So you're not having these kind of like spikes and dips in your energy levels. So when you have more stable energy levels, you are likely to be more active overall, unintentionally increasing NEAT or that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, meaning that you're more likely to hit that active energy plateau that I spoke about earlier for the day with really little effort. Resistance training and building muscle also improves mental health because resistance training improves your ability to produce, release, and regulate growth factors that influence the development of structural changes in your brain. So resistance training can structurally change and improve your brain. When you have a better functioning brain, you will have a harder or have an easier time staying motivated to exercise and have an easier time choosing lifestyle habits that will support your overall health. Again, snowballing this whole thing. And then lastly, one way that muscle can affect your behavior is if your goal is to build muscle, you will have to have certain nutrition habits that will really support your body in more ways than just building lean mass because a high protein diet will make you feel overall more energetic. It may reduce overeating since protein is really satiating and it might make you again, avoid all of those dips and crashes in your energy levels. So all of these things have a snowballing effect on your behavior. When your stamina, your energy levels, your nutrition habits, and even your mental health are better, it's easier to stay consistent with the routine. That improves your results, thus heightening these positive effects of building muscle. So 
Building muscle is more than just improving your resting metabolism. It affects your insulin sensitivity. It affects your behavior. It can set you on this upward spiral and improve your metabolism in more ways than one. So although it may be overblown that muscle really boosts your resting metabolism because muscle really only burns about five to 10 calories per pound per day, muscle really does have a powerful effect on your metabolism with direct and indirect effects on insulin sensitivity, aging, and behavior. I hope this was helpful and informative. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.